Welcome to Change Now. Yes, because we need to change now. Now is when your impact story starts. Listen, get inspired by visionary change makers, and be part of the change. Great challenges call for great measures. In a world where ecological and social crises collide, our global leaders bear significant responsibility. The question at hand is, how can we reimagine and rebuild global governance? How do we transition from a national perspective to a planetary one? Join us with Maja Grelf, Governor at the Climate Governance Commission, as we explore ways to reshape leadership for a better tomorrow. So originally from Canada, Maya Groff, you are an international lawyer and global governance innovator based in The Hague. You have a heart that beats for the academic world. You hold degrees from McGill, Oxford, Harvard universities, and you're also a professor at Leiden University. And you really apply that knowledge to very specific negotiations. You also wrote the book Global Governance and the Emergence of Global Institutions for the 21st Century which has, by the way, received raving reviews. And you are, and I think that's particularly interesting, the convener of the Climate Governance Commission, where you make very specific suggestions of how we can reimagine and rebuild global governance. Maya, it's my pleasure to welcome you here. I'm excited for this conversation. And I would love to start by asking you, describe to us a little the current paradigm in global governance and what you'd love to change about it. What's going on? Give us, give us an idea and an image so that we better understand Wonderful. that paradigm. Thank you so much, Matthias, and lovely to be here with you and at Change Now. Uh, it's a fantastic community, and I'm so happy to see governance on the agenda and also global governance, which I think is absolutely fundamental of vital importance to address our shared planetary crises. As the Secretary General says, our triple planetary crisis of climate change, biodiversity, nature loss, and pollution. So in terms of what I see in current global governance approaches and three key paradigm shifts or shifts in thinking that I think we need and I would like to see as soon as possible. Firstly, there's uh, this sense uh, which has been really validated uh, through the work of the Commission, the Climate Governance Commission, which I've been working on for a few years. We're still looking up from the, the national level to the international. Uh, it's sort of, we're looking up and, and the international seems big and overwhelming, but really we, we need to shift our perspective to what uh, astronauts have described as this overview effect. Uh, looking down at the planet, uh, looking down at the blue marble, this, this is our common home and we need to think about planetary governance in a totally new way. And this is very futuristic <laughs> for many. But the future, love is, that here, the future so. is already here. Yeah. <laughs> We're already you know, seeing so many tipping points, uh, destabilization in our climate system. We need to shift our perspective to look at the planetary level in terms of governance uh, and, and really upgrade. Second paradigm shift is we've sort of acquiesced to very low expectations for our international environmental governance, sort of a vicious cycle of, 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 of Disappointments not expecting Precisely. Um, we've been very good now at developing some very strong international norms, Paris Agreement, countless hundreds of multilateral environmental agreements, yet we've been very weak on implementation, accountability, and enforcement. So these are key areas. We need to cross that bridge to make them actually binding, enforceable, implementable. 
And the last uh, uh, paradigm shift I'd like to see, which is specific to climate and uh, planetary ecological crisis, is to have the science drive the governance, then vice, vice versa, the, the governance again uh, acquiesce to political forces rather than having the hard scientific limits. As Johan Rockström is fond of saying, who's, who's on the Climate Governance Commission, you can't negotiate with planetary boundaries. These are hard limits, and our governance needs to fit within and respond to it, and not vice versa. Mm. One of the biggest innovations in global governance, and you um, can disagree or agree, of sort of the last century was the United Nations and after Second World War, sort of this idea that we can have a bit of a global government. Um, why do you think, have, have we become lazy or is there too many powers that we don't see at play? Why, why so little innovation in how we make decisions, who makes them, how we hold people accountable? sort of all the three things that you mentioned, what, what's, what's behind it? What's the mechanics? Yeah, it's a, it's a combination of, of factors. And, and indeed, I think part of it is a lack of initiative, to put it politely, mm -hmm. <laughs> rather than saying <laughs> laziness. But uh, it's, it's, you know, the UN Charter was, was drafted and adopted in 1945 with the intention for it to be really revised and looked at holistically within 10 years. So by 1955. And here we are 75 plus years later, and we still haven't had a comprehensive review. We lost quite some time. Yes. So, but I see this all the the time in international treaties, uh, making processes, countries often forget the original intentions. So it's a bit of collective amnesia, uh, lack of doing homework, also the inertia in the system because of collective action problems. Who takes responsibility for the whole of the international community, for the whole of the planet? It's supposed to be the UN Security Council, but sadly we see self-interest of states really playing out there rather than a really clear focus on the collective whole. So I think there are ways to overcome Come the inertia in the system, and we've we've seen really extraordinary citizen movements. For for example, the the treaty to ban landmines, uh, the nuclear weapons ban treaty the Coalition for the International Criminal Court, which have been wildly successful. So you can get through that inertia and that lack of imagination, lack of will, uh, mm. but you need active, very active and strategic citizen engagement. Yeah. Um, you've also done a lot of research and you work, work a lot with um, international experts on this, really trying to very practically reimagine um, go governance. Can you give us an idea of some of the recipes, patterns, um, approaches, again, quite practically, that you are considering, that you are lobbying for? You've mentioned three or four examples where things have worked in a different way. Are there things that we can distill from that that are replicable, applicable in different contexts? What, what, what sort of the key ingredients that you would like to add to the, to the soup, if you want yes, to say? Yes, exactly. Yeah, in terms of the implementation of some of the proposals we're considering at the Climate Governance Commission, Again, I do think there are some extraordinary examples how you design a so-called smart coalition of global civil society working with like-minded states to really push through significant steps forward in the common interest. So one example that we've seen a dramatic success has been the uh, leadership of first youth and then small island developing states from the Pacific and then uh, leading the charge at the General Assembly to get a reference question on climate change to the International Court of Justice. So this is very, <laughs> very recent dramatic success. Uh, so 
we, we can apply these techniques to a whole range of governance improvements, again, to get humanity uh, through this very, very dis difficult time. We are currently heading towards catastrophic climate change. That is just the reality. And, and the governance we have is not sufficient. So a few of the proposals that we'll be considering with our commissioners as next steps, we're going to do urgent uh, you know, steps, levers to improve our governance, uh, reorganizing the COPs, making them laser focused on implementation and action in various ways instead of unwieldy and, and um, often you know, sprawling uh, uh, conferences that aren't really laser focused on results, implementation and accountability. Uh, secondly, we're going to likely support the high-level advisory board's uh, proposals that the Secretary General uh, uh, convened on a global decarbonization package, uh, a commitment of all states at the summit of the future that the Secretary General has, has suggested on a pact for people, planet, and the future. Um, he's also, Secretary General has suggested an emergency platform to be convened in the face of international crises. And uh, we think that this is a platform that should already be convened for the, the planetary ecological crises as soon as possible. Perhaps a statement of the UN General Assembly on a declaration of planetary emergency, as well as tightening up screws in our current uh, international treaties, international architecture, how do we use trade law uh, better to accelerate climate ecological action? Uh, how do we use the International Court of Justice uh, much more regularly on environmental issues, among other proposals? So we're looking at very near-term governance improvements, but then at the same time, which I think is really important, is that we also have to start thinking about next generation planetary governance, earth system governance uh, uh, models and mechanisms, and indeed institutions. For example, a global environment agency, which scientists have been asking and suggesting for years. Many uh, years yeah. Yes, and also former heads of state have also suggested and tried to put this on the agenda of the international community, but we really need the, the momentum uh, from global civil society and citizens around the world. Can we look a bit, um, and let's do a quick deep dive. I don't want it to get too technical, but I think it's interesting from a practical perspective, sort of this architecture. You said there's suggestions that you're making for how to improve COP negotiations. We've heard about better representation, better processes. Sort of, can you tell us what the screws are? You've mentioned a couple of them, but who are you talking to? Who are you suggesting this to? Who are you working with? Help, help us understand the machinery behind this and the chances for success and what are the roadblocks maybe? Um, yeah, obviously th these are very big planetary issues uh, which have many dimensions. There has to be sectoral change across a whole range of areas of economic, social activity, social behaviors. Um, and then the added complexity of international negotiations and also the complexities of a given international regime as <laughs> has been set up with the Paris Agreement and, and UNFCCC structure. So just to give you an example of the few of the levers which we might be engaging with or are engaging with in terms of COPs and, and trying to push them uh, to, be, to be more results focused. Um, uh, firstly, uh, issues of sort of breaking down discussions by sector and having very clearly focused uh, decarbonization discussions, fossil fuel phase-out discussions, um, having them broken up into smaller meetings throughout the year, which again are much more action-focused, but also have input, more clear and direct input from scientific and technical advisors to depoliticize the process. Um, also, there's, there's some very interesting suggestions from mediation specialists 
Angeles about how to sort of psycho psychologically and, and from, a, from a mediation skills perspective, how to make the cops um, uh, much more effective generally, even if they stay, stay, stay larger. Or to you know, facilitate what is, them Exactly. Better. What is meant by consensus? It doesn't mean that every state has to agree exactly. It's, it's more, you know, reading the room and getting the general consensus. Uh, I mean, there are other suggestions that we have to uh, get beyond this consensus uh, rule in general because it's been watering down policy. And there, some of the commissioners on the commission are already talking to senior officials uh, at the UNFCCC, Paris Agreement, um, uh, Secretariat uh, officials. We're also discussing with uh, this new program of youth negotiators and other youth activists who, who are engaged with different delegations in negotiations. Also, the business community. Uh, one I of think our Nathan and Adenike would be ready uh, to, take, to take that up. <laughs> Excellent. Mm. And for example, one of our key collaborators is the Exponential Roadmap Initiative. Uh, global, it's global, but based in Sweden. Um, and uh, they have a corporate, global corporate ecosystem of companies worth, they have $1 trillion annual revenue, have committed to a 1.5 degree business playbook. And uh, friends at Exponential Roadmap with their colleagues, they mobilized about 20%, uh, companies representing about 20% of GDP, of Swedish GDP before the last Swedish election. And we'd like to work on creating a, a sort of similar green lobby at the international level. I think progressive business can can do a lot of good, can have a strong voice at the international level to, to actually mm. uh, get those levers to, to force uh, the progressive changes we need. Wonderful. If you are, and I don't know if you would agree with that label, but if you are sort of an architect of global governance um, setups and you reimagine them, you make suggestions, you push for change. What else is needed or who do you wish were allies behind us? Is it the public pressure? Is it the activists? It is all of them. Can you kind of share with us a little your ideas around there is these ideas and you're pushing for it and many other people do. What are success factors and how can we um, as the audience, as society um, overall, how can we help push for these? What, what, what needs to happen? Yeah, I think, as I, as I was mentioning at the beginning, this shift in perspective to take this, this international perspective very seriously and the planetary perspective, and not to think it's so removed and remote. It has, uh, it has to do with all of us everywhere. And also, you know, this dichotomy between the international and the national or international and local, it's a false dichotomy. There's so many communities, grassroots communities, representatives at international negotiations. So they all fit together, international, regional, national, local, uh, transnational, spanning, spanning borders, um, etc. So it's, it's like a paradigm shift. And the more we can work locally, of course, uh, with our communities, um, to, to kind of build this consciousness, this awareness, build our social capital, our relational capital, which I think change now is such an amazing place to, to build these powerful relationships, which then facilitate radical collaboration. Mm. And I think citizens um, can also, we hear a lot about individual you know, lifestyle changes, which is, which is very important, of course. But at another level, if citizens and citizen groups are working on policy changes, in a, in a given nation or locality at the, at the city level, vitally important. If there can be pushes on policy changes, this is enormously impactful. And then again, bringing this international perspective to your local politicians. One of our uh, Climate Governance Commission uh, members, uh, commissioners, he's a former 
uh, head of the International Energy Agency from Japan, and he said, listen, every politician now at the national level, they should be elected based on their international awareness and conscience, that, that, that they're working for the international common good as well, not this local parochial. It's not serving the local citizens. We Back need to, to think at all levels. paradigm shift yes. um, <laughs> request. Thank you, Maya. Any last words, plaidoyer, suggestion, idea for the audience to wrap us up with this uh, lovely fireside chat? <laughs> yeah, just to say that um, I do see the, the system shifts happening, and it's very positive. I'm, I'm in more and more communities that are getting very sophisticated, working across sectors. It's not just business, it's not just government, it's business and uh, government and civil society and youth and indigenous people and women, etc working together, so I think there's a lot of cause for, for hope. Um, we just need to keep going and keep working together. Okay, act now like we heard before. <laughs> Thank you so much, Maya. Please put your hands together for Maya Groff, um, Reimagining Global Governance. <laughs>